0: Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds Podcast on Fan Sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. And we're going to start the show in just a minute. But before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast is being brought to you by Teststrips.com. That's Teststrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen.com. Managing diabetes is your business, making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause that causes. The fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple to use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies, they will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because. They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com teststripswiththez.com, or calling 855-STRIPS with the Z Z1. That's 855-STRIPS1 teststrips.com Better Business Bureau accredited A-plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to fifty dollars per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now let us start the show. Fan sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. Huh? We're gonna shake things up. Now here is your host, my tech. Extra Rounds podcast on fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. My name is Mike Keck. I am your host, broadcasting from our studios here in beautiful and very hot and humid right now, Berkshire County, Massachusetts. Got to shout out my man, Craig Hop the King. This intro music is absolutely on fire. You can follow him on Twitter at Craig Hop the King. The kid is making moves. Follow him. I'm telling you. First of all, I just want to say thank you to everybody for all the great feedback from our relaunch show last week. The kind words were seen. They're very much appreciated. And there are a lot of people who never listened to my old show and had no idea how I put shows together, how much I stress audio, how much I love the production side of things, and how much work goes into these shows. And that's what it's all about. I had one person reach out to me and say, I thought you were just the Rick Pick, the Rick's Picks theme guy since I produced that music for the old MMA Hour. And I'm not here to talk about myself, but those things meant a lot. I wanted to say thank you for the support and that it's very much appreciated. Last thing I want to get to before we run down the lineup, because we have a loaded show this week. Please. Do me a solid. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. It takes just a few seconds to throw the old Superman punch on the subscribe button. You get shows automatically downloaded to the device of your choice or devices of your choice as soon as they are released. And it's good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Also, if you have a couple extra moments to spare, you could go ahead and leave a five-star rating, maybe a review. That helps us out immensely. And in turn, hopefully I can help you out by shouting you out on the show. This helps us out with advertising sponsorships. Try to hook you guys up with some really good stuff at some discounted prices, and hopefully I can return the favor by giving you a shout-out. So if you could do that, I will do that for you, and thank you very much for that. All right, let us run down the lineup because you do not have a lot of time to waste. Later on in the show, we're going to chat with the undefeated Andre Harrison, one of the best 145-pounders on the planet. He's getting ready for his second regular season bout for the Professional Fighters League. On Thursday night, he's going to take on Nazareno, Malagari in the co-main event of PFL4. He's coming off of his season debut in a dominant unanimous decision over Juma Biaki at PFL1 last month and very excited to chat with the bull later on. It's been a minute since him and I have linked up. Before that, we're going to chat with the president of fight operations for PFL. Ray Sefo is going to join the program to talk about PFL4 and really this, this breath of fresh air that the PFL has been for mixed martial arts and For us fans thus far, three really solid shows, and I'm really looking forward to the the fourth show coming up later on this week. Coming up in about 25 minutes, we'll chat with T. Edwards. Of course, he's one of the newest lightweights on the UFC roster after picking up an incredible 28-second knockout of Austin Tweedy a couple of weeks ago at Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He'll join us a little bit later. Right now, we're, we're back with our second installment of Going the Full Five. We like to, to do this to kick off each show. We bring on a fellow journalist to talk about some of the big stories going on in our sport. This week, we'll, we will do so with one of the monsters of our industry, in my opinion, the most underrated guy covering our sport, 100%. He is an absolute machine. He's done an incredible job being the managing editor of Fanside at MMA. So let's go the full five with Jose Young. Five, four, three, two, one. All right, joining me right now via the magic of Skype is my colleague at Fansided MMA. His coverage during International Fight Week was absolutely incredible, and he continues to do big things with the Fansided Network. Jose Youngs is here. Jose, what's up, my man?
1: What's up, man? That was by far one of the most impressive introductions I've ever had.
0: Well, I appreciate that very much. But before we get into anything, like I said, you, you have a lot of roles. You you wear a lot of hats for Fansided. Let everyone know what else you do outside of the incredible stuff you're doing for the MMA site.
1: Oh, man. I pretty much am a— like Whatever they need me to do, I can do, obviously— MMA is like 90% of my job, I also do all the social media for them, so anything on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, I do a lot of video editing for them, so you name it, I I probably do it.
0: (laughs) Let's get right into this thing. The UFC was in the rolling hills and sprawling landscapes of Boise, Idaho for the first time on Saturday, and it was a pretty good card. There were some moments that really stood out, and there are some things that happen that people are still talking about, but in your opinion, what are some of the things that stood out to you from Saturday night that isn't being talked about that should be?
1: Not being talked about. Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I think Jessica Aguilar getting her first UFC win isn't being talked about much. Uh, obviously, that was the very first fight of the card. Uh, Jody Escobar, who, if, if when you bring up those two names, obviously their records might not look the best or their UFC records might not look the best, but those two are like the definition of just like women's mma veterans like they were in this sport long before the ronda rousey's and the misha tates of the world like jessica aguilar for those of you who don't know was a long time world series of fighting champion uh widely considered to be the for a long time the best woman straw weight in the world uh unfortunately she signed with well not unfortunately uh she had signed with world series of fighting right when uh the ultimate fighter i believe ultimate fighter 20 uh champions will be crowned when uh carla beat rose in the finals uh to crowned the inaugural women's strawweight champion so she missed out on that opportunity because she saw a world series of fighting and during this time during the tough show she was just winning all like every single opponent thrown her way uh then she finally gets to the ufc uh and she loses her first fight to Claudia goodalia uh obviously nothing to hang your head at she flew all the way to brazil she was so happy then she kept getting hurt she had another setback against carlos Spars, i believe Uh, But she hurt her knee So she was out for a while So to see her get her long-awaited UFC win After everything she's been through uh, Was was really great to see And I don't think it mattered that it was the first fight On a fight pass card in Boise, Idaho She was just happy to be there And I'm happy that she finally got her win
0: yeah, great story there between her and then Roxanne Mataferi getting the win at the the top. Yeah, it's a good
1: point. It's a good point. You know,
0: it's just uh, trending in the right direction in that sense. But you know, one of the things that is being discussed is that the UFC featherweight division officially got a nice shot in the arm on Saturday night with Chad Mendez We'll talk about him in a minute. But Alex Volkanovsky is a guy that personally I've been very high on over the last year, eighteen months or so. He's got a he gets a big mm-hmm. opportunity taking on a Darren Elkins, a very durable guy, a guy on a big winning streak and. Volkanovski just went out there and just put it on Elkins, picked up a huge win and is going to be a tough out for a lot of people at 145 pounds. What are your thoughts on Volkanovski coming out of that performance on Saturday?
1: I think that went exactly how I thought it'd be. I, I also think he said it best where Darren, Darren Elkins was on this big impressive win streak. He's picking up some stoppage wins over, uh, Mirosad Bektik and Michael Johnson, two of the best fighters in the division that Bektik win was one of the craziest fights and craziest knockouts you'll ever see. Uh, Volkanovski said it himself like he Darren Elkins deserved a bigger name and a higher-ranked opponent But he took the fight knowing it was such a dangerous opponent and Volkanovski put it on him like you said it was Like 30 26 I think on some scorecards or my scorecard was 30 26 uh, so it was a uh, It was it was an absolute beatdown and he called out Chad Mendez. like uh, I would love to see that fight I think that I it wouldn't make sense Darren Elkins is an ultimate fighter. I uh, ultimate ultimate fight team alpha male chad mendez obviously has ties to the team alpha male so if, if volkanovsky wants to go on this team alpha male hunt i'd be about it because there's a lot of exciting matchups right there
0: yeah kind of kind of circling back to what you just said volkanovsky did call for mendez and i know our guy spencer kite in his matchmaking article on fan uh following the card agreed with that as well so is that is that in your opinion the fight to make or is that too big a leap right now for alex
1: i, I think it's a good time uh Ch- Chad Mendes did get that stoppage win over Miles Jury. Miles Jury also hasn't been the most active fighter around. He took a lot of time off uh, between losses, so maybe if he wants a more, act- if he wants a bigger test against someone who's just as active as him, dangerous opponent. Uh, Ch- I think Chad Mendes just wants to fight. I don't think he wants uh, like. He's been out for two years, obviously, with the anti-doping violation uh, because of that skin cream. I think he just wants to fight. Obviously, in the past, he'd want like a top five. Give me like a top five opponent. I want to get to the title. But after being out for two years, I have a feeling Chad Mendes just wants to get in there as much as possible because he misses the competition. Uh, he's not going to get a title shot anytime soon especially after getting knocked out by Frank Yeager and Conor McGregor and losing two fights to Jose Aldo so if Volkanovski wants to test Chad Mendes wants to fight i think it makes perfect sense and then Volkanovsky did his job at the end where uh he called out Chad Mendes for his uh failed drug testing i don't i, I don't think he, like he cheated blah 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 it took something so he's doing he's doing the the trash talking already and it was the fight fight night wasn't even over so yeah i love that fight
0: yeah, and it's funny because he's been saying over and over again, and we even did a feature on him for Fanside, is that he's not a big trash talker. He's, he's not going to be a headline maker with, with things that he says, but he did call out Chad and said what he said. But having a guy like Volkanovsky, like he'll, he'll call out specific guys, maybe take a jab here and there, but he's not you know, a McGregor or anybody like that. Is it kind of refreshing to you that he's not a, a gigantic trash talker and that he wants his performances to do the talking, or do you think this could kind of hinder him from getting these bigger fights with the top guys in the division?
1: I think it, it's going right along with the trends. You're seeing a lot of uh, MMA, obviously, for a while. Uh, we had the Connors and the Colbys, and, like, they, they really took it on. And the Chael Sonnens, they took it upon themselves to, like, make their name in the headlines is what they said. I mean, Colby Covington talked himself into an interim title fight and won, so it worked out for him. But then you have guys like Mirsad Bektik, Curtis Blades, Volkanovsky, Volkov, like like Robert Whittaker is the middleweight champion. Like, we have these guys that aren't talking trash and they're winning, and they're getting them. They're getting those title shots, and then it's like Max Holloway. And Max Holloway's another example. Don't ask for the money fight; become the money fight. And Max Holloway's won so much that people now want to watch him fight. So if he keeps winning, I think it's going to work out for him. But yeah, it's it. I it could be refreshing, but I think it was refreshing two years ago. It was refreshing a year ago because, like, even Brian Ortega, not the biggest trash talker, and he's now one of the more popular fighters in the in the entire division. So uh, it's. The trending the trend I'm seeing now is, is 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 great for the sport.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. That's a great point you made about Brian Ortega and his and his rise in the featherweight division. And you know, Chad Mendez looked better than ever against a guy like Miles Jury. he's kind of been off and on. He but he had been on a, a pretty significant tear at the, heading into that fight. But Money Mendez is back. He calls up Brock Lesnar, which was hilarious. And then, you know, with everything going on with Max Holloway and the featherweight title and the health issues and, and everything going on at the top of that division right now, how important is it to have a guy like Chad Mendez? back in the fold.
1: Oh, it's super important. Not even just Chad Mendes. I mean, we're gonna get the Korean zombie back anytime, anytime now. I hear he wants to fight Frankie Edgar. That fight, I've been waiting for for years. So the featherweight division is about to get real, real interesting. It depends, especially if if Max is out for a while, because obviously you don't want to rush back, rush him back. People saying like, oh, let's get him on the LA card in two weeks. I'm like, no, that's wait, not enough time at all. Uh, maybe the Toronto card in December would be great. He did win his interim title against Pettis. Around uh, The last time they were in Toronto So if Max is going to be out for a while There's a lot of real fascinating Matchups in the featherweight division and it's really Strange that none of them are With Jose Aldo or Conor McGregor uh, Jose Aldo is fighting Jeremy Stevens soon Obviously if he wins that's, that's great for him But if Jeremy Stevens wins I don't know how he I don't know why you wouldn't make him in an interim title, chance, title fight If Max is going to be out for so long
0: yeah, I agree with that 100%. Uh, well, let's talk about one of the most memorable finishes of the night, Nico Price versus Randy. <laughs> Brown. I mean, I mean, Randy was looking pretty good in that fight, and, and kind of watching it from the outside, he looked to be, Randy Brown anyways, looked to be in incredible shape. It looked to be like he put on a little bit of mass and muscle, and He was doing his thing on Saturday for a little while until Nico Price landed those hammer fists from hell off of his back, and we all watched thinking, what in the blue hell just happened? So, what did you think about that finish, and can you think of any others where you thought that way about it because that was something to see, and I'd never seen anything like that before.
1: That was the most bizarre knockout I've seen in A very long time. I think he's only the second fighter to ever finish an opponent off his back in the UFC. And the last one I think was an up kick. So he's the first one to win by strikes. (laughs) Uh, Outside of fights that I've seen that caught me off guard, obviously Anderson kicking Vitor in the face uh, was pretty shocking considering we never seen that Machida going to sleep from that standing uh, guillotine choke. But Nico Price, I mean, I think every single one of his wins has been a stoppage. His only loss has been a stoppage. So he's the definition of killer be killed. He really reminds me of like the uh, the Tony Ferguson's or the Carl's Conner's or the Donald Cerrone's where they're really exciting and uh, unorthodox on their feet. And they're, they're, their defense, their takedown defense is the fact that they're so good off their back that no one wants to take them down. It's the threat of their jujitsu game that keeps opponents from keeping them down so uh I love those kind of fighters it's always exciting to watch where even if they get taken down they're still deadly and uh, Nico Pri- Nico Price is is quickly becoming one of the most exciting fighters in the entire UFC not just the welterweight division
0: Sticking in the welterweight division, Super Sage Northcutt had a had yeah. a tough start to his fight. He got dropped within seconds. Zach Otto looked real strong, but Sage overcame it all and he got the finish to sort of break that welterweight curse he's had. He looked good at 170. He's still super young, and he's was pretty much put in a in a really difficult spot early on. But you know, quietly he's 11 and two overall. He's six and two in the UFC, and he's won three straight fights. So. In your opinion, has he officially turned that corner? Are you buying some Sage Northcut stock right now, or do you still need a little more time to assess the situation here?
1: I mean, I've always bought into it. I mean, he's a really great fighter. Like you said yourself, he's 6-2, and two, so it's not like he's like this good-looking, ripped kid with a great personality that's like 2-4 and four and is unfair, like quote-unquote unfairly getting shots. And you'll see, like, he's winning. Like, Zach Otto is a no pushover. Zach Otto retired Mike Pyle, so... Yeah, I was on the Sage Northcutt train for a while in terms of his abilities, but he just keeps proving it. Uh, I was really impressed with with his ability to recover, like you said, getting dropped so early. Um, I was always curious, like, there's all these questions I have of Sage, like, what would happen if he gets dropped? Can he recover? Like, what happens if he's on the ground, stuck stuck in a choke? Will he allow himself to go to sleep? I'm really curious how he would react to a bad judge's scorecard. I think that's another question out there. Like, like, there were so many weird judges decisions in Boise this whole time. I'm thinking what I think Sage won this fight, but it would be really fascinating to see his expression or how he would take the judge, a judge giving that to Zach Otto. If it did reach the judge's scorecard, uh, there's a lot of questions out there. I want to see him fight. I would love to see him fight Nico Price. I think that's a really fun fight. Uh, both of them are finishers. Both of them are on a tear. Both of them have similar records. So yeah, I'm all aboard the Cut train.
0: I mean, imagine if that went to a decision and everyone thought Sage won and then they gave it to Zach. Imagine him just freaking out and <laughs> throwing a yes. fit. Yeah, like
1: I can't even imagine that. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm I'm very very curious how it would, how it would go. Uh, I, North Sage is one of those those. Fighters, there's people are intrigued to watch him fight. There's a reason he used the co-main event over a lot of names, like over-name like Chad Mendes, over-name like Miles Jerry, over-name like Kaz Angano. So people want to watch him fight. At the end of the day it's all about making money. He's an exciting fighter. He's a great kid and if there's a lot worse people to be a spokesman for the UFC than Sage Northcott.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we almost got uh, a hell of a fight with James Vick and Paul Felder on that card, but obviously yeah, the true. shuffling up and everything going on, but you know, to top that card, Junior dos Santos returned to action in the, in the main event. He picked up a unanimous decision victory over Blagoy Ivanov, a very technical performance from the former champion. What did you think of JDS's return on Saturday?
1: I thought, I mean, it's 50 45. I don't know how you can't be impressed. I mean, he, people were like, oh, I don't think this is going to go five rounds. I thought it was most definitely going to go five rounds. I mean, he, he fought Travis Brown to five rounds, won 50 45 in Croatia across the board. So, uh, I, it, it went pretty much exactly as I thought. Ivanov definitely wasn't dominated like the scorecards say. Like, obviously, I think JDS won every round, but Ivanov, he was landing some punches. He was defending the takedowns. He was, uh, he he didn't look like a fish out of water, and even Junior at at the end said, "Yeah, like yeah, Ivanov, he belongs in the UFC. Like, don't just because he lost in his debut doesn't mean anything. Like, he'll be a top fifteen, top ten heavyweight." Uh, he'll be, he'll face the who's who of the division, especially because it's so shallow. But yeah, super blown away by Junior Dos Santos, and also very impressed with Ivanov in defeat.
0: Yeah, I agree. And he said after the win that he wants a title eliminator fight for his next one. And you know, for for the first time in a really long time in the heavyweight division, there's there's a big congestion up there and now you got Brock Lesnar creeping in you got Curtis Blage you got Derek Lewis Stipe is is being very much overlooked in my opinion after losing the belt to Daniel Cormier I mean he is the longest reigning UFC heavyweight champion of all time and there's a lot of options right now especially in the top of the division so if you're the UFC what do you do next with JDS is it either of those guys or at this point does he have to just kind of accept that he's on a rebuilding path here
1: I'd like to see him fight Derek Lewis, uh, or get the rubber match against Stipe. They're they're one and one, obviously, but I, I would want either one to be a main event. Uh, people are saying Curtis Blades. I want to see Curtis Blades fight Volkov for like either an interim title or a number one contender fight. Those guys like I uh, there's a reason Volkov wait Volkov weighed in at UFC 226 in case Cormier or Stipe got hurt, so he was obviously next in line. He was on standby just in case. Uh, Blades should fight Volkov. JDS should fight Lewis or Miocic, uh, or he could even fight Engano. I mean, he, they were supposed to fight in Edmonton before JDS uh, was flagged for an, an, a potential anti-doping violation, which he was eventually cleared of. So, uh, both Derek Lewis and uh, Francis Ngano are desperately in the need of a bounce-back fight, uh, an exciting fight. And JDS, like you saw, is a very, very technical striker. He's not going to be one that play that you you punch first. I'll wait for you. Fight like we saw uh, UFC 226 between Lewis and Gano. So yeah, heavyweight division, like basically throw the top 10 on the board, throw a dart at it and I'll watch JDS fight any of those guys.
0: <laughs> we are running out of time here, Jose Youngs. So we'll hit up a couple quick things before we wrap up. First, PFL four coming up on Thursday, we'll have Andre Harrison and Ray Sefo coming on to talk about that. But through three events, I mean, what has been your takeaway from the PFL? Because to me, it has been a, a pleasant surprise, but in your opinion, is it great because it's just great, or is it more because, and this is no offense to, to the PFL, or at least it's not meant to be, is the PFL shining because the expectations were pretty low and, I guess, inconclusive? What do you think?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think it's a little bit of both. I keep forgetting that It's sometimes I'll forget it's on. Like, I always have it written down or, like, I have an alert for it, and then I'll get an alert. I'm like, oh, that's right, and I'll turn it on. And I'm always surprised. It's always great. Uh obviously there's a lot of great names in it i think a tournament format people are always much more receptive to that's why pride was so popular the strike force grand prix bellator tried something similar but they didn't have the names and the of the of, uh, of the professional fight league i really i really enjoy it i think dana white's Tuesday contenders and the pfl have both been pleasant surprises where they always deliver even if the fight is boring like a fight moves a fighter moves on and eventually you're going to see the two best fighters like MMA anything can happen obviously but by the end we're going to get the two best fighters people are in this world cup fever they love tournaments march madness happened the world cup happens NBA playoff NHL happens and now we have an, an actual MMA tournament I love it I absolutely love it
0: yeah it's it's been fantastic and and last thing Melky Cow was on Aerial show last week and we should hear more about this John Jones situation pretty soon, and maybe even in the next couple of weeks. So if you had $20 of supplemental income to throw on how <laughs> this turns out for John Jones, what do you think happens
1: here? Um, that's a good question. I think the fact that it's in California hurts him. Uh, I think you saw the, the, the original hearing where they weren't taking any excuses. They, they were pretty upset with that when John Jones basically said, "Like, no, I didn't take any of those USADA classes. Uh, I had my team fill them out for me, and I just signed my name. So I don't even, you know, he basically admitted to lying. He was very like transparent, which obviously journalists appreciate and fans might appreciate. But I don't know how that's going to fly with an athletic commission. They were pretty upset that, yeah, it might not be for a performance enhancing drug, but they were pretty upset for the negligence. Like you're John Jones. This is like the third time this has happened to you. So I have no idea. I think it's (laughs) 50-50, but I think the fact that it's in California hurts him.
0: Jose Youngs, everybody—the man that never sleeps, the man who's about to take his first vacation in probably a decade, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming on, my man. Before you get out of here, let the folks know where to follow you on the web. I know you got a podcast <laughs> on the Fan Side of the Network now. Anything else you want That's to suggest? Right. Please take
1: the floor. Uh, you can follow me at Jose Youngs on pretty much every social media. I still—I believe I've been saying this forever. I think I'm the only Jose Youngs in the world, <laughs> uh, and I am the host of the Bam Smack Pow podcast where we talk about comic books and graphic novels. Uh, on the fan side network you can find that on itunes alongside the extra podcast i'm sure you have more followers and listeners but you can listen to us on, nonetheless great being on there.
0: <laughs> thanks jose i'll see you in the slack chat for sure this week see you man all right buddy thanks all right there he is jose young's great having him on the show and we're going to be joined in a matter of moments by one of the newest members of the ufc lightweight roster t edwards who is coming off his big win over austin tweedy during Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series here under UFC contract. And then we're going to be joined by Ray Cepho and Andre Harrison to talk about PFL4 later on. But right now, T. Edwards is ready. So let us connect with Tango T. Edwards. <laughs> Joining us on the Extra Rounds podcast right now has... One of the most impressive performances among a whole heap of them in this season of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. He knocked out Austin Tweedy in under 30 seconds to secure a UFC contract, and now he joins us on the newly relaunched Extra Rounds podcast. T. Edwards is here. T., how are you, man? Pretty good. How you guys doing? I'm doing great. Can I just ask you, because I have heard it a bunch in the buildup and even after the Contender Series fight, do you have a lot of people calling you Tay or messing up the name at all?
2: <laughs> yeah, all the time.
0: <laughs> So, look at you. You're in the U- <laughs> You're in the UFC now. You picked up that amazing win a couple of weeks ago, and I've talked to other folks in your position before and it took a bit of time for that all to sink in that it's not just a dream anymore to get to the UFC. You're you're actually there now. So, a couple weeks later, has it sunk in what you've accomplished here?
3: Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, it sunk in like immediately. It wasn't it wasn't this like, you know, hoping and wishing like dream come true. It was it was always a part of the game plan. It was you know, on the list of things to accomplish. We had a time frame. We had, you know, goals and how we were going to execute it and how we were going to do it. So uh, it's all going according to plan. So we, as soon as it happened, you know, uh, the knockout went according to plan. You know, the talking to Dana afterwards, you know, all the marketing, everything is, you know, just the way, you know, we wanted it to happen. So, uh, yeah, we're ready to keep the ball moving. And go on to the you know, next part of the plan.
0: <laughs> when I talk to somebody for the first time, I always have sort of a rite of passage question because I love these stories. They're always different. They come from different places, and I feel like the beginning of fight psychology and fighter mindset comes from the decision to get into the sport to begin with. So how did this journey begin for you, and what made you step into the gym for the first time to pursue mixed martial arts?
2: Um, the journey started, uh, I want to say, about half a year after I finished up wrestling in college. Uh, national tournament, my senior year didn't go as planned. Uh, I got hurt about two weeks before uh, NCAA's. Uh, tore my LCL. You know, had a real bad tournament. Came in as like the number 10 seed, projected to all-American. Um, you know, and just you know, kind of blew it. Injuries and you know whatever else um, that got in the way. So uh, I was kind of burnt out after that from uh, from competing. Kind of want to take a break. I took about six months off the gym I was working at um had an amateur mma team that trained there so uh started rolling around with some of those guys just jumping in to just you know kind of stay competing give me some motivation because just working out with no uh you know no destination was kind of getting kind of boring uh started rolling with those guys realized i was kind of good after picking up a few things some guys said hey you should try amateur fight." uh took one a few months after that and i Beat some, like, hotshot local kid in, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, quick knockout. And, uh, they're, you know, consider doing it pro. Um, Talk to some guys, you know, back here in Arizona that I knew from college. Decide to move back out and, uh, you know, try to make a career out of it, make a, a real run at. Um, you know, doing it long term.
0: This sport... Unlike most, I mean, there's always evolution in, in, in big-time sports, but this is different. There's always constant evolution. Things change all the time. There's so much to learn. Confidence and self-belief are just gigantic in mixed martial arts. As you're training, you're getting this fight experience. You're going through the ups and downs of it all. Was there a point for you when it all just clicked for you and you knew you'd be off to the races?
2: Um, I mean, early on, I mean, I've heard from coaches and teammates that I had like a lot of potential um, to get things done, and I, I could really be good at it there was just a lot of obstacles in the way um, from like finding different training gyms, um, you know, trying to find fights, trying to just be consistent with my training, uh, trying to be well-rounded in something that I thought would uh, do well in the UFC and in the sport. And uh, my background in wrestling is, is great, but, you know, let's be honest, fans don't really like to watch wrestling matches. Who like striking, they like, uh, you know, brawl fights, and they like knockouts. So I had to really try to hone in on those type of skills. If I was going to be, uh, you know, where I wanted to be, I just didn't want to just, you know, compete and wrestle people to death and, you know, make a couple of paychecks and be done with it. I wanted to really be memorable, really put on good performances, something that you could, you know, go back and watch for years and years, <laughs> like those fights, you know, from 10, 20 years ago that we still love to, you know, replay and highlight because they were so good. Even, you know, since the sport has changed, so that's kind of what I was working on. And um, once that kind of started to come together, I got with like a real good team here at the lab. They kind of helped me fix any gaps that I might have had in my game. Then it came, became more and more apparent that, like, I'm a really bad matchup, people. I mean, I'm really dangerous in a lot of positions, and I can really do a, a lot of damage once we get to the big show.
0: You've won now five in a row. You had that nice win over Brandon Trujillo back in September, which would end up setting you up for this contender series opportunity. When did you get the call that you had this chance to fight in the tough gym and potentially earn your way into the organization?
2: Um, I think it was early February we were trying to find some fights after we got that the local one here um, we had a couple organizations a um, couple international ones that were you know doing some you know short contracts you know two or three fight deals um, And since so we were having a hard time getting fights and getting guys to not pull out and not back out of fights so we were kind of going to take what we could get just because it was you know consistent money and consistent competition um, so we were actually right about to you know, sign with another promotion when we got the offer for the contender series and then it was like, oh, like, perfect. It couldn't be <laughs> any more of a, of a perfect setup. Like, cause we knew, you know, if we get on that, I need to get in front of some people, get in front of Dana, kind of show them what I had. Because, you know, if you've seen the highlights or you've seen the film, like, everyone kind of sees that I have potential and that I'm good. It's just being in front of the right people and getting them to see it, which is hard when there's a thousand other fighters in the world trying to get noticed. So this was a, the perfect opportunity to, to, you know, showcase my skills and personality, you know, marketability, all that stuff, like up close and personal with uh, the head honcho, so I was like, all right, perfect, let's train. Um, we looked at Austin, we honestly was like, this is a perfect matchup, he's a, uh, you know, a Midwest guy, he hasn't fought a bunch of super tough competition, nothing, you know, that I was bringing to the table at least, and, um, you know, he wasn't amazing on his feet, so I was like, oh, man, this is an opportunity to, you know, put on a highlight reel, um, and then, you know, make a day of it, so that's, that's you know, what we planned, and that's what happened, so it was a perfect opportunity
0: personally for me as someone who covers the sport and is a fan of the sport, the Contender Series is just one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me and probably a lot of other people. Did you get to watch the, the first season of Contender Series before heading into this fight?
2: Uh, the only one I watched was when Sugar fought because he was her teammate. Uh, I watched that one and I saw Kyler fight um, like last year. Other than that, I don't really watch a bunch of the other fighters in competition. I've seen some highlights on social media. Uh, you know, I wasn't like terribly impressed. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I kind of watch our teammates about it.
0: <laughs> Do you kind of feel like it worked out better? And I know hindsight is what it is right now because you delivered in spades a couple weeks ago. But in a way, you know, learning from Sugar and learning from, from some other folks and kind of watching those highlight videos, did it work out better being on the second season so you could kind of see and learn how it all worked and get a better scope of things and what Dana, Sean, and, and McManard were looking for?
2: Um, yes. Uh, I think it, it was more about the, the presentation that we got to have instead of – um, guys like your car that kind of just got the, the call right to the UFC, we had time to, you know, be on the show, build up some, you know, hype, um, you know, be seen, and then, you know, kind of get that following that you get when you people you know do the tough show and they do the uh, Contender Series. You kind of get more opportunity to, to be seen and make more of a name for yourself than you usually do if you just get like a short notice call up and, you know, you're, you're a replacement for somebody else. So I think that definitely helped out, um, you know, through social media and whatever else to really – help us be seen, and then uh, get time to prepare to get the highlight. Once we got the highlight reel, of course, you know, that can go viral and that can give us uh, a better chance of getting the contract that night or, you know, just getting, uh, you know, better fights set up in the future or like main cards and, and uh, you know, co-headliners instead of just being like a, you know, or prelim or fight pass
0: guy. When the, the fight between Asa was announced, most people who cover the regional scene and consume all these different products, they were very excited about the matchup. They thought it was going to be an instant classic between the two of you guys, and obviously you kind of put the kibosh on those talks really quickly in that fight. Were you surprised that it went as, as easily as it did for you?
2: Kind of. Not really. I thought it would go one of two ways. I thought both were going to you know end in meet, winning pretty dominantly, um, but just keeping an open mind, I kind of anticipated him coming out a little more aggressive just because I thought if they had done their research, they would see that, you know, kind of standing in the open wasn't going to be the best idea. So I, you know, if they're really objective and honest about his striking, they would have been like, hey, this is not a good battle to do on your feet. Let's go try to wrestle him or take him down, which is, you know, another difficult feat in itself, but it would have gave you maybe more of a chance to to do something, I mean, if you get taken down, you get out-wrestled, at least you're not on the highlight reel. So um, I thought he might do that, but then in the same breath, I thought, you know, he might respect the wrestling too much. His cardio, you know, may not have been that great, so he may have tried to try his luck on his feet, and if that happened, I knew it was going to be a short night. So after we came out in about 10, 15 seconds, I saw him, you know, kind of dancing around and keeping his hands up, you know, ready to to strike. I was like, oh, okay, so you actually, you're going to have to do something on your feet, so... (laughs) All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this
0: up. What was that fight week like for you? I mean, I was talking to Matt Bissette before he made his UFC debut in January, and he said being on the Contender Series really helped him prepare for everything once he had his debut fight scheduled for the UFC. Can you relate to that? Did you kind of get a taste of what that side of things, the UFC machine, is all about?
2: I mean, I can, I can relate. Not, not so much as in, like, it helped me prepare, but I, I mean, I've been competing on big scenes from wrestling, you know, my whole life. You know, a uh, you know, high-pressure week or having, like, lights and cameras you know, around isn't, you know, doesn't really faze me that much. You know, I had to fight for Bellator back in 2016. That was, like, my first, like, you know, big, big promotion besides RFA. So I kind of was already used to, you know, seeing all the lights and cameras and all the, the hype behind it and, you know, being starstruck or whatnot. So um, it wasn't too much of a deal. I had a lot of fun. Uh, we talked to some people, uh, me and my camp, you know, had a good time out in, in Vegas just kind of preparing and taking things easy. So it, it, everything went smoothly. It wasn't, you know, too uh, too stressful or anything.
0: Being in that tough gym and kind of knowing some of the amazing moments that had happened there over the years, what was that like for you to kind of feel the history and the nostalgia, seeing that octagon in the room? What did that feel like?
2: Uh, it was cool. I, I didn't actually go out to the cage before the fight, so I hadn't really seen. Oh,
0: know, that was the the your first time out there?
2: <laughs> yeah, besides just, like, passing through to go back to the locker rooms, I didn't really see it. Um, but, yeah, it, was, it seemed a lot more... Uh, Like tranquil, I guess, call it, than um, like an arena. You know, there wasn't a whole bunch of super bright lights and, you know, it wasn't really dark. It was, it kind of seemed like a sparring day. You know, lights were on, you know, maybe 100 people in the crowd and you could, like, hear everything because there's no, like, extra sounds going on. So it was, it was kind of laid back, honestly.
0: You you landed that big shot early in the fight and, and you win and you seemed like, you know, you, you kind of touched on it earlier. That was the way you drew it up. It was almost premeditated from the, from the strike, the finish, the, the pretend signing of the contract. You just seemed like you envisioned it all going down in this specific way. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah. I mean, I had, I had a couple different scenarios on which I thought it was going to take place. That, honestly, was like the number one. Like, okay, if we can draw it up in the perfect world, how would this go down? And that's exactly what happened. You know, came out. He decided to stand. He was biting on some level changes, biting on some fakes. We caught him with a clean, you know, one-hitter-quitter. It was a walk-off. We didn't have to throw any extra punches to finish him. We immediately found Dana, you know, gave the camera something to, you know, to record afterwards, <laughs> and, uh, you know, called it a day. It was it was clockwork, honestly.
0: I saw in a, in a post-fight interview that there were times that you were ready to walk away from the sport because you are a dad, you, you have to pay bills, you got to do the responsible adult thing that a lot of us, myself included, have to do. How difficult has this road been to get to this point with you knowing this day could come, but it's not a guarantee, as is most things in life, and having to sometimes second guess yourself and wondering if what you're doing is the best thing for you and your family?
2: Oh, God, it, it was a roller coaster, really. <laughs> uh, I think in 2017, I didn't fight at all. I think before we, we got that Bellator fight, I think I had like 20 months off without really competing or training consistently. I got that call in like, two weeks' notice. I hadn't sparred in, like, a year. Like, I really wasn't, you know, training the way I should be or, like, training at all for that, you know, point. Um, it, it really had to just change my mindset. It was on the back burner for a while, but it was, it was there enough for me to be like, okay, well, we need to just always mentally be ready. Even if we're not physically in tip-top shape, we have to always have that, like, never back down. Like, take any fight, we're going to make the most of it. I'm going to, you know, pour everything I can into that moment and hope that it turns out for the best because I didn't have the luxury of training and being like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm in shape, you know, I'm ready for camp. I get to turn on this fight. Guys that are always training have that. Like, you can know that you're always ready if you're always training. With me, it was, you know, I'm not in camp. I'm not really training, but I have to keep the same mindset as if I was. I still have to remain confident. I still have to remain, you know, just mentally prepared to get a call at any given notice and still, you know, be confident enough to take it and, you know, bold enough to still think I can win and still dominate guys. So um, I think that helped me a lot, honestly. Because then when I was in camp and I was training, I, you know, my mind was bulletproof. I was like, oh, man, like I get to actually train and prepare for camp and get my weight down. Like I'm that's not going to stop me now. You weren't going to stop me, you know, in my mind when I wasn't even, you know, training full time. So uh, I think that mental edge helped me out a lot. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a roller coaster for sure of ups and downs or, okay, you know, you know. And also, I'm not, you know, one of these guys that all I know is fighting. Like, that's just the only route I had. Like, I had a lot of other, you know, job opportunities and career opportunities. And I have multiple degrees and certifications and sports performance and and conditioning. I could have taken, you know, a cool 50, 60K salary and done something else uh, and made another life. But I, I figured I had the rest of my life to do that work a regular job to you know just be you know quote-unquote stable but while I'm young and I have this you know ability and talent I kind of want to make something out of it that's not just about money it's about like legacy and you know making memories and you know having something that you'd want to put in like your biography and not just oh okay I, I took a job I worked nine to five I made a bunch of money you know Everybody was stable. I got health insurance, whatever. Like, I really wanted to be more than just that. I wanted to have like an exciting story.
0: How How old is your son, if you don't mind me asking? He'll be three in a couple months. Oh man, oh, you're in. You're you're in for it, my man. I just uh, oh, my my man. son just turned five. It's 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 something else. They, they say terrible yeah. twos, three sucks, four sucks, and then five. You're like, all right, he's like a little human now. We can we can converse <laughs> and, and have more stuff in common, but. You know, how much of a motivation has he been for you? And, you know, considering everything you've gone through to get to this point, how important has this road been for you in terms of teachable moments in the future for him?
2: Uh, a lot. I mean, he's he's always been a motivation. Um, more so with just keeping me, keeping everything in perspective, like in the big picture. A lot of times in sports or in, you know, fighting, uh, you kind of get wrapped up in all these little particulars, like you start overthinking every little thing the guy does and everything that you do and how your nutrition is going. You really start just, you know, being really hypersensitive to everything and you kind of lose touch of like life itself in the big picture. So he helps me out with, you know, not getting overwhelmed and not, you know, really, you know, going down that rabbit hole when it comes to training and like looking at the sport itself. Because, you know, I train, I put in, you know, one, two, three hours a day. You know, I give it my all, and then I come home, and I'm like, oh, yeah, like, if I never fought a day in my life ever again, I'd still be okay because I got, like, you here. And you make me happier than, you know, any sport or any, you know, moment in fighting could. So, at the end of the day, you know, it it's never too bad. You know, life never gets you too down as long as, you know, you have this to come home to, and you're you're happy and everything. So, uh, I think that's the, the biggest motivation Um outside of just giving him something to look up to. Like, I want to be inspirational to him. Uh, I want to set, like, a good example. You know, when he's old enough to kind of, you know, have more friends and, you know, look on social media and look on the Internet, I want him to see that his dad, like, you know, really put in an effort and, you know, tried to, to be great. And that will inspire him, hopefully, because that's, like, his, his first role model instead of looking toward other people. You know, like, I want to be like LeBron or I want to look at these other people that, you know, he doesn't know personally he know me personally, who I am as a person, and also as a competitor, and hopefully I can get him to aspire to be a, a better individual through that.
0: That's amazing and very well said there. You touched on training at the at the MMA lab, and you get to train with some, some really high-caliber folks. You get great coaches, and I know just from talking to some of the fighters there, the environment, the atmosphere, I mean, it's really something else over there. I mean, you're a fighter, and you got to do what you need to do for you and yours, but there really is this kind of phenomenal family atmosphere there. Like, you guys are a team. You guys and gals, are, you're a unit. What, what is being a part of that team, being able to, to take in the wisdom, the knowledge in such an environment like that, what has that meant to you in your career?
2: Uh, it, it's very comforting. I've trained at you know, a few different gyms, and it's, just, it's much different at the lab. Everybody is trying to help everybody else. Um, you know, one person's success translates everyone else's success, and and Coach Crouch is big on everybody being there for one another. You see, like a lot in the sport, because it's an individual sport, and because everything is kind of, uh, you know, fend for yourself and get yours. Uh, you see a lot of guys end up kind of training on their own, or you know, making their own little fight camp, having a couple guys, or just being, you know, like being the individual, and uh, you know, the team kind of suffers. Um, because, you know, everybody's not there all the time. Everybody's not committed to being in camp for everybody else. Uh, in the gyms that do that, you see the ones that are very successful. You know, everybody's always there. You always have at least four or five guys in your weight that are, you know, at the gym, you know, helping you whether or not they're also in camp. Um, so I think it's been very beneficial, especially for somebody like me who, who couldn't put in the hours consistently. I knew whenever I, you know, I could find time on my lunch break or, you know, late at night, or early in the morning, if I go to the gym, I'm still going to have, you know, a good amount of guys on the team that are there to help me get better. And, you know, I don't drive, you know, 45 minutes to the gym, show up, and there's nobody to train with on the only day that I was available to train. So uh, it's definitely very comforting. It's an awesome atmosphere. Everybody on the team is, uh, you know, super helpful and, uh, you know, motivational for everybody else. And you can kind of see that that success just trickles down. It started, you know, with Ben. And, you know, Effie and those guys that were in the UFC. And then you saw the next generation of guys that, you know, trained with them and helped them get ready for camp. Then you had, uh, you know, Dracar and Sugar and, you know, uh, like Hot Sauce. All those guys that were, you know, the, the next generation, they had that same success. They got to the UFC and they did well. And now you're seeing it, you know, trickle down to me uh, and like Kyler and other guys that are coming up in the, in the, in the game. That, you know, it just, it just keeps getting passed down. There's this legacy of, you know, successful fighters because everybody has that blueprint uh, and kind of that inspiration to look for from the, the guys that have already done it.
0: Now that you are, you're officially in the UFC, you've signed the contract, do, do you have a time frame in which you'd like to make your debut this year, early next year, ASAP? What, what are you thinking right now?
2: Um, I, I definitely think in the end of this year, um, I wanted to do something right away, but I actually got some military orders um, not too long ago for next month. So I'll be out for about uh, a month and a half doing some military training out of town. So obviously during that time I can't, I can't do anything because the government, you know, <laughs> owns me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I'm thinking, like, maybe uh, November, December, end of the year, I definitely want to get on one of these cards, um, you know, on, ideally on, like, the main card or something uh, just so you know, we can immediately, you know, get out there and be seen. Um, like I said before, I have the ability, I have the talent. Um, I have the, the marketing skills. Uh, I kind of don't want to waste my time on you know prelims and fight paths where you know you, you don't get to see it. Like why have this good skill set and have the, uh, you know this exciting style if only you know half the population going to see it? I'm kind of you know right away. Let's get something where we can showcase in front of a lot of people and get the ball rolling.
0: What branch of the military are you in?
2: Uh, Air Force now. I was Army. I uh, just. Recently,
0: uh, re-enlisted for the Air Force. Well, I appreciate your service. Thank you very much for all that. Oh, thank you for the support. You're very welcome. Um, do you see anybody on the roster you'd like to debut against? Anyone in there you just like to mix it up with to, to get your UFC career started?
2: Uh, yeah, people keep asking me. I haven't really, honestly, scouted the roster to pick and choose. Um, honestly, I, I'm I'm kind of one of those people that like I'll I'll take whoever's bold enough to step in there. Um, I haven't really had the luxury of picking and choosing guys throughout my career, so. Now, whoever is up for the challenge, you know, want to get in there and mix it up. Uh, I like to be exciting. I like guys that strike. I like guys, you know, that are going to want to, you know, put on a performance. Guys that are trying to just, you know, get in there and, and skate by and, you know, get the victory, uh, you know, without actually doing anything. That That's not for me. That's not if, – if, you, if you're in this sport, you have to understand that it's it's half skill, half entertainment. No one wants to watch – people do nothing for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. That's why you have these, you know, quote-unquote great fighters that, you know, don't get the the credit they deserve because they're not exciting. I I accept that that's how the sport goes, and I'm trying to be exciting. So, uh, you know, anybody that likes to, you know, mix it up, trade some punches, you know, throw somebody on their head, I, I can dish it out just as well as I can take it. So,
0: Uh, Those are the guys that I'm looking to get in there with. T. Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, the newest addition to the UFC lightweight division. Uh, Before I let you go, sir, let everyone know where to find and follow you on the web, social media, anybody you want to shout out, anything at all you want to get off your chest here, please take the floor.
2: Uh, Social media. So I I just finally changed it. It was T. Edwards, but through uh, a lot of uh, advice from other people, we changed it to Tango underscore MMA. So we got the nickname in there uh, officially. (laughs) Um, As always, uh, shout out to all my friends and family and coaches everybody that's uh, been helping me out and supporting me. Uh, it's been a, a long journey. Everybody's been awesome along the way. Um, so, yeah, definitely appreciate all those people. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you.
0: Great stuff, T. Thank you for coming on. We wish you the very best. Oh, and I got to tell you this, by the way, uh, Jose Young's was just on the show, and he wanted me to tell you what up.
2: Jose Young? <laughs> all right, don't mess up. All
0: right, thanks again, T. Looking forward to seeing you in debut hopefully later on this year. All right, boss. I appreciate it. All right, there he is, T. Edwards. Great stuff from him. Someone to definitely keep an eye on in the UFC lightweight division. All right, no time to waste. we got to get to our next guest. He is the president of fighter operations for the new Professional Fighters League. PFL 4 is coming up this Thursday night at the historic Nassau Coliseum in Long Island. And who better to talk to about the Professional Fighters League than the man himself, Ray Sefo. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me, Mike. Absolutely. So I want to get right into this thing because you guys launched this idea, this new format for the Professional Fighters League, with the regular season playoffs, championship rounds, a million-dollar prize for the winner. And I'm sure you saw the, the, the eye rolls, the negativity, the questions, and the doubt right off the bat. But after three shows heading into your fourth, This, in my opinion, has been a nice shot in the arm for mixed martial arts. People are really digging it. Are you noticing the change in attitude amongst the fans and the media?
4: Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, and listen, it's understandable that people will be like, yeah, okay, whatever's been done, but um, this hasn't been done. You know, PFL is a new format, and myself and the team, I mean, listen, I'm a product of this format. The only difference between this and what I came through was that there's a regular season, uh, there's a playoff there's a championship and every american knows what that is you know when it comes to sports you know what i mean and so uh once we had the first show second and third uh the everybody that were sure uh and weren't really you know didn't really think it was going to was going to work it you know the feedback has been absolutely great and um and also the, the people that didn't really Believe in and now believe in it. So it's it's really good to see, you know, as, as they say, you know, action speaks louder than words. And and so of course, uh, all my fighters, I got to thank every single fighter that I have in my rosters because from day one, these guys hit the bar and they come out and they put it on the line and every, and it, they just show the world and show me and themselves that they want to be champion at the end of the day and they want to win that million dollars plus everything else they made leading up to that uh, championship. So it's a really great feeling to know that the fans are digging it, the the media is digging it, and of course, um, it's it, you know, it, it's uh, there's still a lot of work to do, but as the fighters know that this is the second round of the regular season, so this is the uh, the last opportunity for them to earn points to get into the playoffs.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned how the fighters reacted and took to this thing, even even before the, any of the any of the show started. I mean, from the beginning stages. Pretty much all the fighters saw incredible value in this concept. Like everybody I talked right. to, really seemed to fall in love with it. And like you said, of course, the chance to win a million dollars is always going to motivate people. But you know they've right. been digging it since the jump. So, what were sort of the beginning stages of this like for you guys? Like, and although there were probably a couple of hiccups along the way, like like any idea, how refreshing has it been to see the athletes really take to this concept with the same passion that that you all had for it?
4: Well, yeah, no, it, it is refreshing, and, and especially you know if I look at Lance Palmer, who's Uh, who's headlining this, um, you know, PFL4, he loves the idea the fact that uh, it takes him back to his wrestling days where he was constantly competing back-to-back. And so for him to fight six weeks back-to-back, he loves it. Of course, you know, uh, we love it when all the the fighters are healthy and well to fight again six weeks later. But as we all know, you know, MMA is the sport where somebody can get hurt and, and they push them back a little bit. Hence the reason why... Uh, we've uh, created an uh, August 30th card where all the guys that were suspended um, for a length of time, as well as injuries, uh, they, August 30th is the final card for them to fight their second regular season fight. So, uh, again, it's uh, it's really refreshing to see the fighters uh, really have this positive outlook about it, uh, knowing where they're going, knowing what they want to do, knowing that they're going to fight regular. You know, one of the things that uh I learned from WSOS is that all the fighters are saying they weren't fighting enough. Uh, well, you can't complain with us anymore. <laughs> about that anymore because, you know, they're fighting six weeks, seven weeks back to back. And so, and, you know, to get to the champ- championship, they still got to fight. The regular season, which is, I mean, the um, um, playoffs, which is two fights in one night, and then get ready for the championship. Whoever makes it through, uh Eight weeks later. So it's, uh, there's no complaints about not fighting enough.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's for sure. I know Andrew Harrison's very excited about that. But Thursday night, right. you guys head to the Nassau Coliseum, just a historic venue on Long Island. How excited are you to bring an event, bring this card to the Nassau Coliseum where so many great events and sports moments have taken place?
4: Right. Absolutely. We are very excited to be here. And, uh, uh, you know, it's our first time in Long Island. So it's, you know, it's, it's great. And it's, it's, um, uh, Andre Harrison and uh, Chris Wade and some of these guys, some of the fighters that uh, we have in our this is where they're, you know, it's hometown for them, so it's great to be here.
0: You, you touched on the main event for Thursday. Lance Palmer taking on uh Shen, Juma Bieke, I mean, the featherweight division is absolutely loaded for the, for the PFL right now, I mean, Palmer had a just a fantastic performance in his first regular season matchup, and Juma's right. coming off that loss to Andre Harrison, so this is a big one for both guys, right, I mean, especially with the playoff implications?
4: Well, yeah, no, it is. I mean, too much this is the last opportunity to try and, number one, upset um, Lance Farmer and two, end points to get to the playoffs. And, of course, uh, Lance Farmer uh, walked away from from the last uh, show with five points, having to finish his opponent in, uh, I think, it was the second round. And so, you know, he's looking to uh, come out and, and, and put this guy away so he can earn more points, and that will guarantee him to be in the playoffs.
0: Um, oh, go ahead,
4: Sorry. You know, Yeah, but, you know, uh, every like we've said all along, every fight matters from the guy that fights the first fight on Facebook Watch to the guy that fights the last fight on NBC. So every fight matters. Andre Harrison, you know, he's at three points. His opponent, Nazarene, is at three points. So these guys are going to be gunning for it as well. You know what I mean? So every fight that these guys fight, especially now that they're fighting the second or regular season fight, um, this is where it all hangs out. You know, they are going to come and put everything on the line to get to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I love this harrison uh, Gary fight. I mean, especially Nazareno having having such a resume. This is going to be his 40th professional fight. Coming off that big win against Galvao. I mean, this one has a lot of people talking. Both guys with three points heading into their second regular season bouts. I mean, something's got to give here, Ray. How excited are you for this one?
4: Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, and, and this is the, the great thing about uh, PFL and the format is that these guys are equal in points, so uh, I would assume that in their mindset right now to, to guarantee them into the playoffs, they they got to come and finish. You know what I mean? So it makes it for even more of an exciting fight.
0: Where would you rank Harrison right now in, in the annals of the featherweight division worldwide? I mean, he's 18-0. He's been very successful in every organization he's been in. He's capturing titles everywhere, Captured some titles for WSOF. How good is this guy?
4: Andre Harrison is definitely a talent. I don't think we've seen the best of Andre Harrison yet. I think he's still got a lot to uh, bring to the table. Um, uh, you know, that being said, every fight is uh, its a learning process, and every fight is an experience. And so, I think uh, you know, as Andre goes into the uh, goes through the season, I think he's just—he's going to learn more about the game and how he approaches it even more. So, but I mean, he's a guy he hasn't faced uh, a defeat yet, so. For him, it's uh, you know he's got to be constantly learning, which is you know great for an athlete. I mean, nowadays it's hard to find somebody that's undefeated. You know what I mean? And so Andre has done a, a great job to be at the top of the you know top of the game.
0: This card looks fantastic. I mean, the main card is stacked, the prelims are stacked, and there are certain fights that the media and fans pay attention to more than others. It's, you know, it's get right. the featherweights, you get the heavyweights here. So I'm going to put you on the spot here. Which one of these matchups, in your expertise, is flying under the radar that could be a big sleeper fight, that holy cow fight that we'll be talking about for some time?
4: I think Alexander Almeida and Steven Siler is going to be a fight that, you know, that both got six points. Uh, But they're both finishes, these these guys. And so I think that fight's going to be, you know, it's going to be fireworks. But then when you look at uh, Jack May and and Francis Mabahara, Barosa, they both have six points. And they both came out and and finished their points in the first, in PFL one. So I think uh, I'll be surprised if I see the third round in this fight. Um, Geez, uh, Big Polite, on the other hand, uh, who's facing Carl Denson, a lot uh, lost to uh, Lance bomber by second round finish in his last outing. So I'm pretty sure he's got something to prove when he gets back. Same as Max Cogar. I mean, everybody. This is a, the great thing about this is that everybody has to win or got to come out and put a great performance on uh, to get a win to get to the playoffs. And so again, every fight matters.
0: Absolutely. And you know, one of the guys that, that that's getting a lot of focus is, is Alex Nicholson. I mean. A lot of people are paying attention to him. He's had his ups and downs right. in the cage, outside of the cage, but he seems to have put himself in a really good place. And he had one of the best knockouts of the year in all of mixed martial arts so far. And I know right. he's going to take on Linz on Thursday. But, you know, talk about this matchup and what you have seen on your end from Alex Nicholson.
4: Alex Nicholson is, uh, well, you know, there was a few changes leading up before even PFL won. And like there was a couple of changes in terms of opponents. And I called Alex Nicholson and what he said, he goes, "Boss." Um, line them up. I'll fight everybody because that's exactly what's going to happen for me to get to the championship. And that's the kind of attitude that I freaking love in a fighter. You know, and and to have that kind of um, uh, person like Alex uh, like Alex uh, Niverson who came out not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. I mean, for him to, you know, to come out with a a huge flying knee knockout um, made a statement. And that's exactly what these guys did. And so, I think it's going to be a great fight Philip Lentz Felipe Lentz is um, you know he's uh, proven that he can hang with the best so um, now that he's at heavyweight we'll see we'll see what happens but he's got a huge opponent in Alex Nicholson to uh, you know contest with
0: so just to kind of talk about what we touched on earlier this is Felipe's first fight of the regular season so all goes well no injuries anything like that you know is he going to fight August 30th as well that's the plan here
4: um, well, actually, because we couldn't find a replacement, because it was such a last-minute replacement, um, Alex Mens actually had a, got a walkover. So, which means that he he got the win for the for the walkover, uh, which earned him the three points. Oh, okay. So he, yeah. So he doesn't need to fight his second fight um, because he's earned that. he he's he's actually uh, gotten three points through the the walkover. And, again, uh, that only happens if we absolutely can't get him an opponent, which was uh, something that happened with this fight. Because, again, with uh, the New York Commission, we, unbeknownst to me, there, there was a 25-pound limitation in the heavyweight division. Uh, again, that's kind of... <laughs> I'm sure that uh, everybody hears this, but that's heavyweight. It's from a certain point to a certain point. Well, in, in the New York Commission... Uh, New York State Commission is that although you're a, a heavyweight, you can't be 25 pounds heavier than your opponent.
0: No matter what.
4: No matter what. No matter what. So if you came in, so if you came in and you weighed in at, uh, let's say two, uh, what's uh, yeah, two twenty, right? And I came in and I weighed in at at two sixty five. Um, Sorry, sorry, you came in at 210, and I came in at 265. You and I couldn't fight.
0: Oh, my gosh.
4: Although you made that heavyweight cut, you know, uh, at the lower end of the heavyweight cut, and I'm at the higher end of the heavyweight division, you and I couldn't compete against each other.
0: That, that That's so strange to me. So so if I weighed in at, two, at 220, and I fought a guy that was 255, I, I couldn't fight him?
4: Correct. Wow. That is correct.
0: So that those are some waters to navigate around, huh?
4: Right. Exactly. That's exactly you know, and again, that's that's what happens uh, uh, in our first PFL. Again, you know, as they say, uh, well, I've said I, there's nothing after 109 pro fights. I I'm like I you know I know everything about this or experience everything about the game, but obviously not. <laughs> that was a new thing for me to you know to experience as well was to find out that on weigh-in day that a heavyweight can't be heavier than, can't be more than 25 pounds heavier than his heavyweight opponent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah the fight game what, what a, what a fickle beast the fight game can be sometimes I mean what, well, yeah. one thing that I've really noticed here is and, and this is kind of a, a thing people were thinking about when, when this got released and, and kind of introduced to us is how durable these guys have been I mean from what I've seen at least you know through the media and everything no one has been seriously injured no one's had a pull out of any second regular season bouts that I've seen I mean these guys really want right. this million dollar prize right? Uh,
4: absolutely And uh, and again you know Um, the the featherweights and the heavyweights hit the bar and what I loved about it is that the light heavies and the middle and the uh, lightweights responded as well as the middleweights and the waterweights I mean the last show in DC was just absolutely amazing you know what I mean I mean there were upsets there that I didn't see coming Um, so what happens there is that not only that uh, we get to keep you know uh, the stars that we have but we gain more stars and so it's really satisfying to see these guys come out and, you know, put it all on the line. It's just uh, the PFL fighters are really understanding the format, really understanding what, what, the, the, what is at stake here. And so... Um, I'm just so excited for round two to happen.
0: Did you get a chance to talk to Ray Cooper the third after he beat Jake Shields? I mean, there was so much talk going into that fight about you know Jake and right. and Ray Cooper's dad having the the kind of even split through two fights, and then for Ray to have that performance that he had a couple of weeks ago was just something special for sure. So oh. you know, did you get a chance uh, to talk to him and, and kind of get a sense of how he was feeling, how vindicated that was for him? No,
4: I, I you know I didn't get much chance to talk to him afterwards, um, but. It was just a electrifying performance on his behalf because again, we all know what Jake can do. We know who Jake's beating some of the best in the game. And I when I signed Ray, um, it would have been eight months ago. Well, eight months to him fighting, I think. And when I signed him, I you know, I watched a lot of footage of his um but he's knocking people out and then I also reached out to him. Um he's the one that asked for Jack Shields. And so I was like, okay, that's a big ask. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Unbeknownst to me, how uh, good of a wrestler he is. And it wasn't until when the fight happened that, uh, Ray, uh, that Jake Shields couldn't take him down. Uh, he was able to sprawl, get around, you know, land his shots. And it was just unbelievable to watch. Uh, again, you know, I never expected that. I, you know, I, I saw footage of him in the house. Um, I found him because, he, you know, he's a guy with powerful hands, and he puts opponents away. And so just to see uh, this kid come out and did what he did to Jake Shields that I have never seen anybody do to Jake Shields, it was just remarkable. And so I uh, found a new star in Ray, and then I think uh, that kid, if, uh, if he continues down that path, I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him.
0: Yeah, another star that that, that was showcased during the season is the debut of, of Kayla Harrison. I mean, she delivered in spades. Right. What, what a performance from her, and she is everything everyone expected her to be. So is there any update on her future right now, like when we could see her back in the cage for a second fight?
4: Uh, yes, we're, we're looking at a couple of dates. Uh, either it's uh, right now it's confirmed for August 30th, um, but we're, we're trying to see if uh, um, she wants to go a little bit earlier, so we've just got to work out if that works you know, for, for, uh, for PFL. Uh, but either uh, August 16th or August 30th. One of the two.
0: Is it is it difficult to find her opponents being at 155 pounds or have you guys discussed maybe dropping down to 45 where, I mean, although the pool isn't huge there in terms well, of opponents, it's certainly bigger than 155
4: is. Well, you know, the funny thing is when we look, there are quite a few 55ers out there um, and most of them obviously have cut down to 45. And so, um, we found, I mean, I have a list of, uh, 12 girls that are 55. Um, and so we've sent out a couple of names to, you know, to their camp. And so just waiting to get back, which one to make sense for her to fight. But everybody that I have on that uh, list, everybody's that is either four and four or four and one or three and five, you know what I mean? So everybody has that kind of experience. Uh, that being said, I think Taylor, um, looking at her her first outing and what she did, I, I think she she matches excuse me she matches up really well with some of these girls that that's four and four or four and one. So it, I, I mean, listen, Taylor is a star. I mean, she she's an Olympic champion uh, two times over, and uh, she showed that not only that she can uh, she's used to the bright lights. But she came out and performed and put on a good show. And so, and the fact that she finished her opponent in the first round, it's, um, it, you know, she's she's another one that's on her
0: way. You are still, as everyone can hear now, very much involved in the sport, in, in combat sports. You, you do a lot of coaching. You're all over the place. But you recently announced your retirement <laughs> from competition in the sport a few weeks ago. How does that feel right now?
4: Um, <laughs> it, it, feels, it feels good. I mean, you know, uh, uh, again, I'm in the... Training and sparring, guys. I mean, I was sparring Francis Nugano three weeks before his fight, uh, and so for me, like, I love being in the gym and I love being, uh, you know, just last week uh, before I flew here, uh, Roy and I did a few rounds, and so it's, it's it keeps me in the game. It keeps me healthy and fit, and you know, when so I have a really good balance in my life. Like, you know, I'm at the uh, at the gym coaching, and then. I go to the office and I have everything you know, there to do, that the office that I need to do, and then I go back and uh, train and do some sparring and it keeps me balanced so to speak.
0: PFL4 coming up on Thursday, the big card on Facebook. Watch for the prelims, NBC Sports for the main card but you guys always have tons of stuff going on during fight week. What's the rest of the week look like for you guys?
4: Uh, we have the open workout uh, that's happening tomorrow. Obviously the weigh-ins happening on Wednesday and then the fight on Thursday. Uh, in between those you know, the fighters uh, will be doing interviews, doing media and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a normal week, a busy week.
0: You know you guys got this big event. You got a lot going on here. So, final question here. What is the message to the fans right now who are watching this inaugural season of this really fascinating idea and this fascinating promotion? And I guess for those who are still on the fence here, what can everyone expect on Thursday night and for the rest of this first season of the PFL?
4: Well, I mean, to, to uh, the fans that haven't seen it, uh, I say tune in because uh, you, you'll love it every fight because every guy comes out to fight to win. And of course, every fight is like that anyway, but it's a little bit more meaningful in terms of this because number one, these guys are earning points to get to the playoffs, to get to the championship and to go home with a million dollars. And so, um, come December 31st, we will be crowning six world champions, uh, with a million dollars each. And so that's never been done in the sport before. And, the great thing about PFL is that, and, of course, you got to tune in and watch, is that every fight matters. you uh, you got to you know, follow these guys right through to the end. you got to watch from the beginning to the end because you'll then you will see how these guys are performing and how they're coming out and how they want to uh, get to the playoffs and, of course, the championship and win. So i uh, say so tune in. NBC Sports Network this Thursday. Of course, the first half of the show is live on Facebook Watch. Uh, and you won't uh, you won't regret it. Uh, there's a lot of positive positive feedback, and uh, you will you will also enjoy the show. So right. uh, tune in.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic, and always an honor to chat with you, Ray. We have officially run right out of time because we got to talk to one half of the co main event on Thursday night. But before we <laughs> let you go, let the folks know where to find and follow you on social media. Anything else you want to get off your chest, man? The floor is yours.
4: Thank you. Um, you'll find me on uh, Instagram, uh, Sugar Ray Sepple. The same on. Twitter, and also Facebook. So uh, tune in. Thank you, everybody,
0: for your love and support. All right. Thanks, Ray. All the best to you this week and for the rest of the season of PFL. Appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. All right. There he is, Ray Sefo, one of the driving forces behind the Professional Fighters League. And, man, what, a, what, what an inaugural season they have had so far. And it looks to continue this Thursday night at PFL4 Live from the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. Speaking of PFL4, let's chat with one half of the co-main event of Thursday Night's Card. And it has been a minute since I have spoken with the Bull, Andre Harrison, who is joining us on the Extra Rounds podcast. He will take on Nazareno Meligari in his second regular season bout in the featherweight division. Andre, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. It has been a minute, man. I'm glad to be back on. (laughs) Absolutely. So, before we get into the fight and everything you got going on inside the cage, I was scrolling through Facebook the other day. Are you doing a podcast right now? I saw you and, and Randy Brown hanging out, enjoying some beautiful weather. C- can we call you Andre Harrison, the fighter, the athlete and podcaster now? <laughs>
3: um yeah, man. it but it's not like a traditional podcast. Um we just get on there and we just, you know, speak our opinions on on things from a different aspect, you know. A lot of people get to hear um, you know, interviewers and, and, and things like that to say their point, you know, so this this would be you know different aspects coming from you know from the fighters. So I think it's cool. I think it's funny. You know, and we have a good time doing it.
0: Who's the idea with this? How did this how did this all come together? Um, every
3: time me and Raina get around each other, man, it's always it's always jokes and you know we we have fun and people are laughing and so it was like yo, people would say listen if they had cameras following you guys around for a day, man, they people would have so much material to laugh and crack jokes on and so. <laughs> you know, one thing led to another, and we just started, you know, we just started uh, throwing it out there.
0: For those who haven't seen it yet, where, where can everyone find this, the, this video podcast uh, from a fighter's perspective from you guys?
3: You can go on New York Fighting. Go on com, and you can see all all the episodes we got, I think. I want to say we have about four episodes up. So, um, yeah, man, you guys can check it out, and, and, you know, definitely shoot some feedback. Let us know what you think. If people got topics they want to hear out, go on, shoot that out as well.
0: Well, that's good stuff, and hopefully you guys can check that out on New York Fighting. But let's talk about what you're trying to accomplish right now. A big fight coming up on Thursday night in Long Island. But the headliner of PFL One, you had that. You had a great performance against Turks and Juma Beyaki. You pick up the three points. You pick up a pretty one-sided unanimous decision. And I thought you looked fantastic. He was pretty durable in that fight. But how, how did you feel about that victory to set you up for this fight on Thursday?
3: I felt good, man. I thought I performed well. Um, there's a couple um, points during the fight where I thought. I could have uh possibly get the finish, you know, with uh submission or, or either, you know, even with the hand, but you know, one reason or another it didn't get done. Juma's a extremely, extremely tough guy. Like you said, he's durable and he um he took some hard shots, he fought out of some submissions, man, and kudos to him, you know, and but either way I definitely still think I displayed some you know, some good artwork in that fight, man. I I'm I'm happy with how that went and um I'm excited to go on for the next one.
0: When you're when you're competing in in this format, do you have the point system in mind as you're competing? Like, does it change things at all? Knowing you get more points for finishes, or you just kind of have the same mentality heading into the fights—extra points or not?
3: No, same mentality. Uh, for me, is you know, um, you, first and foremost, no matter what, you have to win. You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, points or no points, um, you know, tournament or no tournament. You have to win. If you don't win it's, it's, you know, you can't, you can't build off of losses. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to be 0 and 30, but with 30 exciting losses, you know, that, that doesn't make for a good career. Um, at the same time, you don't want to be 30 and no one have 30 terrible fights, you know? So it's definitely a fine line, but, um, I don't, I don't think about the point system too much. Um, I, I just want to focus on performing well. Um, these are all tough guys in the featherweight division, you know, um, and so, you know, to get a finish would be awesome, but, you know, first and foremost, i got to win first.
0: When you look at these divisions and how they're set up here, and I'm not blowing smoke because I'm talking to you right now, but I think featherweight from top to bottom is the most loaded division out of all of them. I mean, there's a lot of recognizable names in there with Palmer and Siler and yourself and, and many others. It's a really tough division. Do you agree with that in regards to, to the 145-pound division?
3: Yeah, man, like I said, those, those are all tough, tough guys, man. It's it's a, it's, a serious, it's a serious weight class. This is going to be an interesting tournament.
0: You now get uh, Melagary, who picked up a, a really nice win over Galvao at, at PFL1. He's got a, a super long resume, a ton of experience. I think this is going to be his 40th fight. Heading into this regular season, when you saw the roster and saw his name on there, did you know much about him?
3: No, not at first. No, um, you know, uh, I, did, I didn't at first. But as I was, you know, looking into him when I when I found out I'd be fighting him, I saw like you said he he definitely does have a ton of experience. Um fought some good guys, he fought um Daniel Strauss, he fought Marlon Sandro, um fought some tough dudes, man, and so he's definitely a seasoned fighter man. he's a game fighter. He's uh, a black belt in jits, uh,
0: I believe a black belt in judo, so he's
3: he's he's, he's definitely great skill set you know I'm, I'm, I'm excited to go out there and test my skill set against again
0: did you get a chance to, to go back and watch his his first regular season fight and if so what did you take away from his win
3: um it was good man i thought it was a lot of back and forth action between him and galvao um personally personally uh I, I thought laurel won um when he when laurel did get taken down he did get back up to his feet um you know i, I just yeah, you know i thought he won but uh you know, judges saw it the other way, and and you know, it it is what it is. You know, some you win, some you lose. Some you know, who, I'm not a judge for a reason. <laughs> you know, so um, you know, kudos to him, man. I, either way, it was a back and forth fight between two really, really tough guys, and um, you know, it, it just made me pumped for the fight.
0: You know, you touched on it, that winning is is super important here, especially with the setup of this season here for the Professional Fighters League. I mean, this is new. It's exciting. It's more of a a sporting format, a league situation where every fight has a ton of importance. What do you think of how this is all laid out here?
3: Uh, I think it's laid out good. Like, you know when you're fighting um, and you know what's at stake. Like, everything is there. There's no, like, um, guessing and, you know... Anything like that, and so I, I enjoy that. I enjoy being as active as we are, and um, so for me, this is this is this is perfect. It couldn't be any more
0: perfect. You talk about like what it's like being in each fight. You're not worried about the points or anything, but has has this format kind of changed your approach and your preparation in the gym? Like, are you viewing this a little bit differently than most of your fights in the past? Because there's more to it than just going from fight to fight. You do have to do certain things, perform a certain way to get ahead and get into the playoffs.
3: Um. No, I, I treat I treat every fight the same, man. I treat it as if it's the most important thing going on on the planet at that point in time, you know. Because uh, you know, in, in my world, it is. You know, I know in other people's world, they got different issues and and stuff that they got to deal and cope with. But for me, this fight on Thursday night is the most important thing on the planet, you know. And I got to give it my undivided attention, and um, and um, so that's what I'm doing. That's what I've been doing, and. You know, I, I think the fans are going to enjoy um, the fight. I think, you know, we're going to get out there and uh, put on a good show for everybody.
0: I talked to Lance Palmer before his first fight at PFL1, and he thinks it's going to come down to the two of you guys in the end. Obviously, it's one fight at a time. you got to win to move forward towards that million bucks. But in a sport where it's not necessarily a good thing to put too much stock into the future and the end game, do you view it this way as well, that, that you and Lance are the guys to beat?
3: Um, Man, you I've been wrestling since the seventh grade, man. And one thing that I realized is you can't count anybody out. Um, I've lost to guys that I shouldn't have lost to. I've beat guys who nobody thought I'd beat. And so you can't overlook anybody. You can't underlook anybody. Um, You know, like, I I think my mindset, you know, is the way it is for a reason. Um, I'm not looking at Lance as the toughest guy in the tournament and, I'm not looking at you know this guy as a pushover. I didn't look at Juma as a pushover. I think everybody is extremely tough. Everybody is extremely talented, and they all bring their own, um, you know, they, everybody brings their own um, skill set to the table, man. And if and if you, I think if you look past anybody, you'll get caught. You'll get caught. You know, you can't look past anybody. And so, um, I don't even put myself as the person to beat. You know, you gotta worry about the person that's in front of you. You know what I mean? And, and shouldn't when I get lined up with anybody, then then I worry about them. But for right now, Nazareno, that's the toughest guy in the tournament.
0: That is a great way to approach this thing. And you, of course, are a New York guy. The Nassau Coliseum has been home to a lot of great moments in sports and music and all sorts of different things. How excited are you to, to stay in your home state and have the opportunity to make your own moment on Thursday night?
3: Man, I left the gym earlier today, and I got to the Coliseum in about 10 minutes. (laughs) and then i checked into everything and then i came home and again it took me about 10-12 minutes like that that's to give you an idea of how close proximity everything is to me i get messages with people telling me "Yo, i just bought 12 tickets man i can't wait to go um some of the women earlier today in the kickboxing class was like yo as we were buying our tickets it was saying this ticket is now sold this ticket is not sold so like a lot of people are coming to show out, you know, for this fight, man. And I, I'm excited, man. I think it's going to be a, one hell of a night. I think it's going to be a great night, man. I can't wait, you know.
0: So it's fair to say that Long Island is going to be Andre Harrison country.
3: Of course, man. It's, <laughs> it's bull nation right now. Man. It's a year full, man. It's the year of the bull. If you haven't, um, you know, jumped on that bandwagon just yet, it's not too late. It is not too late to jump on that bandwagon.
0: I mean for from from all of our conversations over the past couple of years you are you are an extremely humble guy you, you have a very humble approach to to this to this format. Do you have a prediction for this fight? I mean, do you visualize this fight with Malagari at the Nassau Coliseum going in a specific way on Thursday night? Um
3: I'm I'm I oh, I, I feel like I'm going to get like a first or a second round stoppage, man. A second round stoppage I'm going to say.
0: I asked Ray Seffel this question, and he thinks you're right up there with the very best 145-pounders on the planet right now. Where do you think you sit in that conversation at that moment, or do you think you want to kind of wait to see how this whole thing plays out before you can answer that question?
3: I have an extremely high belief in myself, and I definitely think that I am the best 45 pounder on the planet, if not definitely one of them. Um, And, I mean, I don't know if you can really make the argument against that As hasn't been a person that I've came in contact with that I haven't done well against. And so, I mean, I I train extremely hard. I don't train this hard to tell people that, Hey, I think I'm the 10th best. or I'm the 12th best. I don't train that hard for that. You know what I mean? I devote my life into this, you know, this, this is a life thing. It's not a hobby for me. It's a life thing.
0: Have you given yourself the chance to imagine what it would be like to win that million dollars, like what you would do with that money, like what that would do for you? Like do you think even a little bit about that? Or do you have that sort of just Bill Belichickie and New England Patriots mentality where you don't look that far ahead, it's just a day by day thing?
3: It has to be a day by day. It has to be. You know what I mean? If you if you look too far in front, you might not see the, the shot that's right there, you know, so i don't i don't wanna I don't wanna sit up there and focus on that million dollars right now and you know I'd rather focus on you know the payout that I'm getting right now is pretty good and I'm enjoying that so I'd rather enjoy that right now and <laughs> you know when we get there we get there you know for right now i'm I'm happy and I'm comfortable where I'm at. I, you know, things are going good for me, man. Right? This is this is a good year for me.
0: I would agree with that. It's been, a, it's been a really good couple of years for you, and I know you have a fight to prepare for in about 72 hours against Nazarene Amalegary, and I appreciate you jumping on here, man. Before we let you go, let the folks know where to find and follow you on the web. Any shout-outs, sponsors, anything you want to get off your chest, man, please take the floor.
3: Follow me on IG at DreTheBullMMA145. Um, you can catch me on Facebook and Twitter at DreTheBull. Definitely want to shout out um Networth Realty, EverLast, uh Battle Scar Management, my is Belmore Kickboxing, Keith Trimble, um, Scroll uh Joe Scarola, uh, Gracie Baja Jiu Jitsu, um, you know, Dr. Michael Camp, Best Page Physical Therapy, John Amato. Um, thank all you guys, man. Everybody that's a part of team uh team bull. Um, you know, just just, just just, say this to yourself, man. It's never too late to jump on the bad light.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Andre. All the best to you on Thursday night, representing Bull Nation at the Nostal Coliseum in Long Island. I really appreciate the time today.
3: Thank you. No problem, man. Thanks for having me right. on.
0: Thanks. Take care, man. Thanks. All right, there he is, Andre Harrison, everybody. 18-0. and 0. It's hard to argue. He's one of the very best, 145-pounders in the world. And if he can go in there and, and win this whole thing, That might just solidify it even more. So I want to thank Andre Harrison for the time today. And I want to thank Jose Youngs for coming on. And I want to thank T. Edwards for joining the program. And also the great Ray Cepho for joining the second episode of this relaunch of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fan sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. We are done. What a week it has been. I want to thank all of our guests. I want to thank you guys for downloading this episode, subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Please drop the old Superman punch on the subscribe button. Helps us out a lot. Leave a five-star rating. Leave some kind words. That is very much appreciated. Big thank you to TestStrips.com. TestStripsatheZ.com. They're the sponsor of the Extra Rounds Podcast. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cash. up to $50 per box. You can get more information at teststripswithaz.com. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at Heck underscore JR. Follow the show at Extra Rounds. And, of course, follow the websites or the website on social media at FansidedMMA and at SI__MMA as we wrap up this episode. Thank you all so much. We will see you next week with another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast.